were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg. I want you to catch that. He was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man he used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay, now let me just tell you something about the Jews. You ready for this? The Jews of this time, there were, there were three times of daily prayer. So at about nine o'clock, they would head to the temple. And just so you can, can kind of picture this, those of you who have been at Pathway for a while, you might remember earlier this year, I preached on the tabernacle. And we went through the Old Testament tabernacle. Well, the temple was the permanent structure that the, temple, that the tabernacle was. So everything that I, I, you might remember all the different pieces and how they all pointed to Jesus, all that, okay, then, then there's the New Testament temple. That was the tabernacle that was built permanently, okay. So they would go to the temple at nine o'clock, around three o'clock, and then when the sun was going down and they would have times of prayer. There's a couple things I want you to notice about this text and then we're gonna, we're gonna get into what the, the guts of what I really wanna say. But the first thing I want you to notice is this. As they did this, every day, most every day they would pass this blind beggar. Every day. Sometimes, multiple times a day they would walk past this blind beggar. What was it about this day? I want you to think about someone else that was in their time. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but who else would have very likely gone to the temple for prayer, say even three times a day, before, here's a clue, before he died on a cross. Just, I just, don't, don't shout it out, but just, just want you to think of who was it that died on the cross that, so this is, every time I read this, this jumps out at me. These disciples were walking past this dude every single day. Jesus very likely walked past this dude every day. Why did he, what, what happened this time? I mean, sometimes we, we get this idea that everywhere Jesus went, there's just like this cloud of healing, this cloud of the miraculous, this cloud. And yet we see this, the father's will was involved somewhere. And I, I, I don't even know exactly why I felt so strongly I need to say this. But there are certain things, I just want to tell you, you will never understand this side of heaven. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now I'm looking at, have you ever looked into a broken mirror? <laughs> and you're just looking like maybe for just a little place that you can just like, okay, how is my hair? Uh, no, I don't have that issue, but, but you, you, you're, you're looking in a mirror, it's like, eh, it's kind of foggy, whatever. That's kind of what it's like now. And so there are certain things in our lives that's kind of like looking into a broken mirror. It's kind of looking into something that's not perfect, little cloudy, whatever. But I want to I tell you, 
You hang on to faith. You put your faith in Jesus. And when we get into glory, and when we get, there are a lot of conversations I'm going to have with God. I mean, let me just tell you right now. In fact, I might even just, uh, you know, talk with, uh, hey, Moses, you've been here for a while. Could you fill me in on this? I mean, I mean, you just think about certain things that you just never understood. Childhood cancer. Cancer at all. I mean, they, I'm going to have, a, I want to have a talk with you, Lord. <laughs> Why? Why this? I mean, there are certain things that, that happen in life that you just, you face. And I just, I, I just felt so strongly today that somebody in this place, you need to hear the encouragement to hold on because there's going to be things that have happened and will happen in your life that you'll never understand this side of heaven. And that's why I don't want to be trite, but that's why we call it faith. It's, it's, I, God, I don't understand. You are God. I am not, but I'm going to rest you. Why would Jesus walk past this guy sometimes daily? Why would the disciples sometimes daily walk past this person every single day? What was different about this day? God chose this day. What, what came over them as they passed by this crippled beggar that day? Something rose up inside of Peter that day, and I can tell you what it was. It was like a gift of faith, a gift of healing. It was like, uh, have you ever just, uh, if you've never experienced this, just keep trusting God, keep putting your faith in God, and the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you like this. But it's just like, I gotta do something here. I can't pass, I can't, and I can just imagine the inner conversation between Peter and the Lord as he's just walking by and he feels this nudge of the Holy Spirit to, this guy, to, to see this guy to, to healing. And, and maybe Peter's thinking, man, the nudge to go over there is like, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, I don't have anything to give this dude. And, and the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 you don't get, I mean, this is, this, I'm just reading into this. I just imagine the conversation Peter's having with the Holy Spirit in the midst of this. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to give you faith to believe for his healing. And that's why this day he stepped out and, he, and he, he said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And in Acts chapter 3, there's one more thing I want you to notice. It doesn't seem like the dude's faith was involved. I want you to get that. Other places in the Bible, we see very clearly that our faith plays a role in God answering prayer or healing or whatever it was. But do you notice, what was this guy looking for? He's looking for money, 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 money. That's all he wanted. He's like, just, just help me out here. And Peter's like, I, I don't have much of that. But what I do have, I give you. And he just spoke the word of faith in the name of Jesus. Get up. What's... I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit just kind of um, drive that further. But just the obvious is this, is that um, let's be people who are spirit-filled. Let's be people who are so full of the Holy Spirit that if God calls us and nudges us to pray for someone or to believe for someone to be touched or healed or saved, or wherever it's at, that... that it, I don't care what the situation is, I'm going to be obedient to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so, so what is this? Well, here, here's something interesting. that I, This is what I want to teach you today and talk to you about. This is a gift of the Spirit. This is a spiritual gift. And if you've been around Pathway for any length of time, you know I've taught on this many times. But I want to take a few Sundays here, and I want to show you again the spiritual gifts. You see, how, how do I say this? 25 years later, so we're in Acts chapter 3. Fast forward 25 years from now, 
from here, <laughs> the Apostle Paul is writing this church to this church called Corinth. Ah, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is, is helping describe, listen to me, the Apostle Paul is helping to describe certain parts um, uh, and things that were happening that we see in the book of Acts. I'm sure there were people in the church of Corinth that were like, you know, I heard about the guy that was sitting outside the temple and Peter and John came on and healed. What, what's that all about? How did that happen? How did that healing, can you help us? I'm sure there's all kinds of discussion in the church this time. And eventually the apostle Paul just kind of laid it out there and said, listen, do you remember that whole part? And in, in, uh, obviously this isn't included in, in Corinthians, but I can just imagine the pastor in, in Paul was just saying, Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit fell and empowered the church to do supernatural things. And so, and so that's where we catch up with them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Holy Spirit, there are different kinds of gifts, look at verse four, but the same Holy Spirit, that's a capital S. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given this, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinction between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and gives them each to each one just as he determines. Okay, now let's dive in just a little bit deeper. There's nine spiritual gifts that were just listed right there. The Apostle Paul is saying, this is the way God wants to use you. Jesus came, died, rose again. He went up, sent the Holy Spirit down to empower us to move in those nine gifts. Time out. There's some people that don't believe those are for today. Well, let's just talk about, are these nine gifts for today? There's some who would, who would be in this camp called cessationists. You ready for this? Some of you know this, but let me just say it. There are those that are cessationists. In fact, in your notes, in the seat in front of you, if you want to follow along or doodle while I talk, if it helps you to focus, go for it. But here it is. In, in those notes, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a blank. You can fill this in. A cessationist view is this. Spiritual gifts were only there to establish credibility for the early church. So they needed to go in. They needed to move in the miraculous so that everybody would see and know that their God was real. And, and then after this, they ceased to start or to cease to continue. Now, there are some, I can throw out some names of people who would be in this camp, but I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. They actually have four different, I'm, I broke it down to just three different uh, uh, camps, but let me just go to the second camp because I think most evangelical believers are in this stage, open but cautious view. Yes, God can and does move through the spiritual gifts, but let's keep the seatbelt on. Most of your Christian friends and fellow believers, this is where they're at. I have been amazed the past 15, 20 years, I'm gonna go even 10, 15 years, how many of my friends that I've seen go from cessationist to this camp right here? I mean, the Holy Spirit is moving right now. I know sometimes it's hard to see. We got, well, there, our, our nation's going to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, things are, and I'm not saying things aren't happening, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is moving at the same time. And there are many, 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 even whole churches that now 
they may not even have changed their doctrine, but their experience lines more up with this. We're very open, open, but we're kind of cautious because we sure don't want to be put in that third camp. Let's go to the third camp. This would be the Pentecostal charismatic view. Yes, all of these spiritual gifts are still available to all of us today, and we should expect to be using them regularly. Welcome to Pathway. <laughs> Woo! This is where we're at, people. We believe in the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gifts and that these aren't just something that, well, God can. These are God will and he does. God wants to move in and through these gifts, through us using these gifts. Um, The Holy Spirit desires to use these gifts to bring encouragement to the believers and bring many unbelievers to the faith. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. Remember, the goal of your Christianity is not just selfish. It's not just about me. It's not simply getting me to heaven. It's to bring as many as possible with us. And so that's why Jesus had to go. He died. He came. He rose again. And he went up. But he sent the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about in the first part of the book of Acts. To empower us. In fact, this is, this is what it looks like. The Spirit of God wants to empower the church of God to minister like the Son of God. I want you to think about that. That's really spiritual gifts right there. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, wants to empower the church of God, that's you and me, to minister like the Son of God. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to help us to have greater compassion, greater love, greater power, to to see the supernatural a part of our lives. Okay, so what does that have to do with our text? Let's connect it. But just before I do that, let me clarify a misunderstanding that I want us to begin to to think through. Growing up, I was taught, and even when I went to Bible college, I was taught a bit this way, is that what happens is uh, Sister Beulah gets blessed and she prophesies. So Sister Beulah has the gift of prophecy. Um, uh, Sister, uh, our brother Joe, um, he... uh, often has these thoughts that he feels are from the Holy Spirit. It's knowledge that he didn't learn, he didn't know about. So Brother Joe has the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. Okay, now follow me here. You know what I would rather say and what I believe is more appropriate and more, more biblically correct is this. All nine of these gifts are for all of us. Every one of us. All nine of these gifts. Now, there may, because of your personality, because of your gifting, because of who you are... God may use you regularly in any, maybe one of these gifts. This is like this person's personality just kind of fits this gift. This person is an entrepreneur. They just step out in a new territory all the time. Man, it's like that gift of faith just seems to flow with their personality. You see what I'm saying? I would be very careful to say, well, that person has a gift of faith because what that says then is I don't, but they do. here's, Here's what I want you to get. I believe that at any moment, at any time, you read it. The, the feeling you get from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the Holy Spirit chooses who he's going to give these gifts and who's going And so there may be a time where you're like, I don't know, I don't understand. I, I just feel uneasy about this decision, about this situation with my kids or with my marriage or with my job. I just, and you know what you need? You need the gift of discerning of spirits. It's, it's one of those listed. And in that moment, you need to discern not only what people are telling you, but Holy Spirit, help me to see what's behind the scenes that I'm missing. There's going to be times all through your life where you're going to need that. You're going to need wisdom. 
Wisdom that you never, like, I don't even know where this came from, but that's a great idea. I'll tell you where it came from. The Holy Spirit. You're going to need knowledge that you never studied. And, you know, we're going to talk about these other gifts. But do you get what I'm saying? All nine of these are for all of us at any time. And I want you to take that posture as we study and as we look at these. The first one that I want you to see, the first gift I want to talk about, I'm going to take them a little bit out of order from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is I want to talk about the gift of faith. Because we get to do this stuff. This, this is a spirit-filled church. A church that at any moment is endued with a gift of faith. A, a group of people, a person who steps out in faith. So what is the definition of the gift of faith? It's something like this. A supernatural trust in God's miraculous power for a specific situation. We all have faith. Let me just, let me just say that. We all have faith. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We have mountain-moving faith. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We all have faith. But I want you to see, even in Jesus' life and the life of the disciples, this gift of faith. Because Jesus' entire life and ministry could be summarized as one of faith because he continually and perfectly trusted in God for the miraculous to take place. I I, I don't know about you, but stuff like healing blind eyes, making the lame walk, mm, raising people from the dead. How many would agree there's probably a gift of faith somewhere in there? Somewhere in that whole mix of the miraculous that we see the life of Jesus, we see him having the gift of faith. You see it in the book of Acts. Check this out. Acts chapter 27. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. What's the context here? This is the apostle Paul. He was a prisoner sailing to Rome, and they hit a terrible storm. And what told the apostle Paul that everything was going to be okay? It was faith. God spoke to him and gave him a gift of faith. If you guys listen I'm going to tell you I feel like the Lord said this to me I've got faith to believe we're all going to be okay but you got to do what I say and you can read it in Acts chapter 27 and you can see the rest of the story and see how things worked it was a gift of faith Paul was this prisoner and God used him even in prison to help save the lives of those that were holding him captive now let me tell you about my dad my dad in the late 70s when I was about four years old somewhere in that in that age, um, uh, he got uh, diagnosed with cancer. I don't remember a whole lot, but all I know is he had surgery. They removed, took all the cancer out. And then back in the 70s, I don't know if they still do this. I don't know if this is a treatment that was popular then or what, but they wanted him to do these cobalt treatments. And these cobalt treatments were to, to make sure they got all the cancer. And I, I, again, I don't understand the whole thing. And, and, uh, but I can tell you this, I remember even as a little kid and later on hearing my dad stand up in a, in a service on a Sunday night and testify to this. He said, I just, I, he felt the faith. God gave him faith and God spoke to his heart and he, he said, I don't believe I need to take those treatments. I don't think I need them. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's for everybody. This isn't like a blanket. Don't ever take chemotherapy. Or not. I'm, not, I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm saying is for my dad at that moment, he felt God had given him faith to trust the Lord with, with the rest of his diagnosis, with his cancer, and then it was gone. Until the day he died, he never had another ounce of cancer in his body. And, and so what, what am I saying? In that moment, my father was moving in a gift of faith. It was something beyond his own self. It wasn't something he just conjured up. 
I got another story. How about this? You got 70 people meeting in a garage and we make a decision. How about this? Let's buy some property. Let's build the building. Let's, in fact, let's build the building ourselves. And even better, let's put a guy with no construction experience in charge. <laughs> Woo! Talk about a gift of faith that, that those 70 people, we were only 70 people when we said, sure, we'll take on a project somewhere in the area of a million dollars. Now we saved money because we built this sanctuary and that office wing all ourselves and we ended up only with, I think at that point it was about $350,000 in a loan because the Lord helped us do it all the way. But all, all I'm saying is, it was a gift of faith. It wasn't because this guy had all the answers. It was because God gave us all faith to step out and people gave sacrificially of their time and of their finances and we, we sit here in this sanctuary today as a result of the gift of faith. Let's move on, gifts of, gift of faith. Now I wanna talk about gifts of healing. Notice the last part of, of the word gift, there's an S on there. If you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll see this is the only one that, that is plural. There's more than one. Gifts of healing. Um, so what, what is this? Let me just define this for you. The ability to pray in faith, specifically for a situation or people who need physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, and, and, and pray them through, see that God answers. Now, now I, I, I don't have time to go into the whole idea of divine healing, but I want you to tell you, I want to tell you we, we believe in it here. We believe that God still heals, he delivers, he sets free. Isaiah chapter 53 and Matthew chapter eight quotes Isaiah where it says, he took up our infirmities and by his wounds we are healed. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus commissioned the disciples, to uh, the 12 disciples to go heal the sick. As part of preaching the gospel, heal the sick, do the miraculous, healing. After Pentecost, after Acts chapter two in the book of Acts, the early church carried on Jesus's healing ministry. We see it a couple places. How about Acts chapter three, Acts chapter four, Acts chapter five, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter 14, chapter 19. <gasps> it just goes on and on and on. First Corinthians chapter 12, right where we're at. It's talking about spiritual gifts of healing. James chapter five, is any of you sick among you? Call for the elders of the church. Pray the prayer. It's, it's all throughout the New Testament. Jesus, if you, if you think back to Jesus' days, in Matthew chapter four, it says he went through healing every disease. Look at the next one. And he healed them. He just kept healing people. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching them and healing every disease and sickness. In, in the book of Acts, Peter in Acts chapter five um, was praying. Look at the last part. All of them were healed Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul, it was so powerful, even aprons and handkerchiefs were, 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 were um, um, taken that, that the apostle Paul had used and people were healed with those. Does that mean we should start like a handkerchief ministry or a hanky ministry? Maybe not so much. I mean, if we had a television ministry, maybe, make a little, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. <clears throat> Seems to work for them, but um, Peter and John in our text. Now this brings us back to our text. There's no doubt about it. There was some kind of a gift of healing. They didn't stand there and say, okay, tell me a little bit about your past. Have you been, now you've been, you've been just sitting there lame for how long? Okay, and how old are you? Now, do, are your parents, do they believe in God? Where are they at? 
Okay. And they had no conversation like that. All they did is, Peter said, look up here. The guy locked eyes with him and said, silver and gold have I none. In the name of Jesus, get up. Listen, the ability to pray in faith specifically for people who need spiritual, emotional, or physical healing. I just want to be clear. There are those in this church that I believe are just waiting for you to move in this gift. As I talk about this gift of healing, you may think, oh yeah, I need that healing. I need God to heal me here, heal me there. Something on your heart, something in your body, whatever. But can you just think about it in terms of others? What if every one of us would say, I don't even know how this works, but God, I just want you to know, any gift of healing, because there's multiple gifts, any gift of healing you want to flow through me, bring it. Because I so want my friend to be set free. I so want to see them walk in victory. I so want them to be set free of whatever's holding them back. Listen, guys, this is the, if we want to be a spirit-filled church, this is what we're talking about. Let's talk about the last one, miraculous powers. And I know in today's society, you hear miraculous powers, you think of Spider-Man, or you think of Superman, you think, they, they, they don't have anything on Jesus. How do you define this? Miraculous powers. And the interesting thing about this, let me say the definition, because the ability to pray in faith specifically for God's supernatural intervention into an impossible situation and see God answer, revealing his power. Not your greatness, but his greatness. The interesting thing is, is how these spiritual gifts, all nine of them kind of fit together. And you've got to figure out, was that a gift of faith or was that a gift of healing or was that a gift of this or a gift of that? It's kind of like orange, orange juice, like if we had 10 oranges and we just squeezed it right out, squeezed it, squeezed it, squeezed it, and you had a cup and just, oh. Now which orange did that, did that drink, did that little slurp I just took, which orange did that come out of? Which one of those? Which one was it? Not real sure. And sometimes the spiritual gifts are kind of that way. It's not, it's not the biggest thing. But when, when you think about miraculous powers, Jesus, do you remember the time when there's a furious storm that came up while Jesus and the disciples were on the water? And where was Jesus? sawn logs, right? He was sleeping, he was resting. And what did he say? Peace, be still. God spoke to the wind and the waves and they obeyed. Do you remember when Jesus cast out the demons? Do you remember when he walked on water? Do you remember when he turned the water into wine? Do you remember when he fed over 5,000 people with one boy's lunch? Listen, these are, these are miraculous powers. This, this is just like, whoa. You think about the disciples in Acts chapter two, uh, verse 43, um, the apostles did many miraculous signs. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen did great miracles. In um, Acts chapter 19, we know Paul did extraordinary miracles. They cast out demons in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 8, last week, Philip was in the water and then he just was gone. <laughs> you remember that? Acts, read that. Just get that in your. This is like a supernatural, miraculous thing. In fact, even in Acts chapter 2, I think we see a, a supernatural, miraculous power in Acts chapter 2 because it's the only place where people spoke in tongues and they, they were recognized languages. Other people that were there were like, whoa, they're speaking my own, not just my language, but my dialect. It'd be like someone in Kentucky saying, they, and they even said y'all. I mean, it wasn't you all, it was y'all, and it wasn't you ins. It was, that's another area we can talk about. But you get what I'm saying? 
I mean, there was a super, I think there's a miraculous power on the day of Pentecost that even, it was just crazy what happened that day. But these are miraculous powers. Do you think God can still do this? There are times when you're facing an impossible situation and God will stir your faith to the point where it's like, God, I don't know how anything good is going to come out of this short of you stepping in and doing something supernatural. Superintendent of the Assemblies of God of the Kansas District. His name was V.G. Grayson. V, you know if someone goes by initials, they're a very spiritual person. why from here on out I am S.D. Miller. Just call me S.D. Scott David S.D. No. V.G. Grayson. Hundreds of people were there. They saw this. It was a summer. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but Tim Enlow, our friend evangelist, was telling me this story. He's got it on paper. But they, they were, there's hundreds of them at this campground, and they're, they're just having regular, you know, worship services and stuff, camping out there at churches and Christians. And um, I don't think Toto was involved or NEM, but there were tornadoes in Kansas. Imagine that. And the, the tornadoes, they saw the tornadoes that were headed directly for them. And they all began to pray. And they all testified how the tornado split, went around the camp, and then came back together and went on. It's a miraculous power. As they began to pray, God did that. Does he still move? Some of you even have heard, we've got it on video, the testimony of what happened here when we were setting trusses. This building's 70 feet wide. There's trusses up in here. We had to, they're so wide, actually, you couldn't put them on a semi. We had to build them here on site. And it was the day we were setting the trusses on the 10-foot walls, and they were calling for rain, and we prayed. And even as the crane guy was out here, he was like, I don't know how this is going to work because it's supposed to rain. If you don't want to be up on those walls when it's wet, setting trusses, someone's going to fall, someone's going to hurt them, so we can't do it, whatever. And so the volunteers that we had here working that day, they, went, they got alone. And, and the crane guy still remembers watching this. They, they went over and they began to pray. And the testimony of that day right here was it was raining all around. The only place it wasn't raining was right here. And there were multiple people that saw it that day. This isn't just like, boy, that makes for a great story. No, this really happened. As they prayed, it was a miraculous power. Can I just tell you, does God still move like this? I'm not asking do you want him to. I'm talking down deep inside. Do you believe that God could really do? We, we want to be a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church. And as we, as we look back to our text in the book of Acts, um, does God still heal? Yes. I, I just want to encourage you. How, how do I go after this, Scott? I'm not even saying, I think you ought to be eager to move in all the gifts and pray and ask the Lord, God, use me in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it really, it comes from a relationship with God to his Holy Spirit. I, I would, the biggest thing I would pray for you and I would encourage you to pray is this. Number one, are you born again? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Number two, have you been baptized? Have you been water baptized? Listen, what's holding you back? October 2nd, we're gonna baptize people here. And then the third thing is, have you, have you experienced that, what, what we saw in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, when the Holy Spirit baptized people, filled them? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? I, I want you to pray 
And let's, let's be a spirit-filled church made up of spirit-filled individuals. And I wanna share one more thing, and that's his testimony. Just a couple minutes long, listen to hear how God still heals today, and then we'll close and we'll go grab some food. Watch this. I'm Lisa Mitchell, and I have two kids and three grandkids, and my husband is Brian. And we, we started out um, when I was younger and was raised in a Trinity church, and we kind of went off and on to church. And um, then when I was growing up through the high school years, we didn't go to church at all. We got married and um, through the beginning years of our marriage, my grandma would actually take our kids to church. We didn't go, um, but it was just a seed sown to our kids and our kids would always talk to us about going to church. Um, but we didn't end up going. <laughs> when my daughter was about six years old, I was starting to get a lot of sickness and um, real tired, kept getting mono lot, laying in bed, just not able to move a lot, and um, ended up having um, an ANA, which is a test, an anti-nuclear antibody test, and found out that I was diagnosed with lupus. Um, it was SLE, so my organs would attack each other and ended up being sent to the head of rheumatology at um, Indiana University. Went through a bunch of tests and everything and got on prednisone, all sorts of medicine. I really felt like the woman with the issue of blood, even though I didn't know at the time because we weren't going to church, um, just spent so, so much money. And one day in serious desperation of like, what is my life gonna be like? They gave me five years to live with two young kids and um, went to the mailbox and uh, Ross and Amy Parsley from Colorado Springs Church were doing several worship CDs and they sent me this worship CD and right away I put it right in the CD player and um, just started crying, you know? And I thought, that's what I need. I need I knew growing up, I had gone to um, a church in Elkhart and they taught on healing. And so I loaded up the kids that Sunday and we took a little bit to find the church <laughs> and went there. And the very first scripture God gave me, because I honestly, I had never read the Bible all the way through, back to back. I'd never read it, just heard scriptures and sermons and was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was like, well, it's gotta be in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> um, I went home that day and just started seeking God. And if I can say anything to help, like seek God, you can't make the way yourself with all things, you know, I couldn't change my body. I couldn't make myself well, 
given five years to live, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die. I want to see my kids married. <laughs> um, started seeking God literally day and night. Um, church was having a healing seminar and I went, I pulled the kids out of school and we went all week long to every single service. There was a morning service, a noon service, and an evening service. And all week, we went to every single service. And he was talking about the words of your mouth. And I thought, I am coming for healing somewhere, you know? But that week, I started changing changing what I was speaking, what I was saying, what I was believing in my heart. I was listening to worship CDs. I was reading my Bible. And that week, I read the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was so excited. You know, I just thought, oh, that was you, God. Like, that was you. And um, then the end of the week, I noticed like when people would call me, I totally changed what I was saying. Like my heart was being changed. And um, they had prayer then that week, that the end of the the end of the whole week. And um, I went back to my rheumatologist in Indy. Had a whole bunch of blood work done just because it was my follow up. I needed refill prescriptions prednisone, all that stuff. Because a lot of times I'd have trouble breathing because my organs would attack themselves. And um, I found myself with more energy. And um, the nurse called me, I think it was like a week later. And she said, um, the doctor said, all oh, your tests are normal. You know, he said, whatever you're doing, keep, keep doing it. And, um, Ever since then, I keep, um, sometimes I'll, they'll say, well, just do another ANA. We wanna just make sure. But I receive my healing and, you know, seek God in all the things in your life and just don't let up. Just because Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, basically look beyond the mountain, you know? And that was my mountain in life. I mean, was I gonna live? Or was I going to press through? I had a choice to make. And um, see beyond that mountain. See beyond what it is that you're facing that is just your roadblock in life. Well, I just kept pressing through and through that, um, my husband hadn't been going to church with me. He was pretty angry, you know, that the possibility of him being left alone and not with the kids and me gone. And um, I received my healing. He couldn't deny it. And he went to church and he gave his life to the Lord. And he said, he told me later that that night, God said to him, I've given your life, your wife back her life 
now give me yours. And so he gave his life to the Lord. And um, here we are all these years later. <laughs> so keep pressing in, keep seeking God, and don't give up. Isn't that awesome? Of course, um, Ryan and Lisa are sitting right back here um, uh, in our sanctuary, been a part of our church for several years. Talk about a miracle. Does God still do miracles? Yes. And, um, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Meaning the Holy Spirit wants to move in the spiritual gifts for all of us, for the common good, for uh, the profit of all, the fact that everyone gets in on it. Everyone, everyone gets to do the stuff. Listen, the idea that a pastor ought to be in a place to be able to pray the prayer of faith, lay hands on someone and just trust God for healing or whatever the Lord's will is, that's in scripture. Also is the idea that every person who calls upon the name of the Lord and is repented and is full of the Holy Spirit can pray the prayer of faith and see someone healed. All of us. God wants to move through all of us. Would you let him? And why is that so important? Why is it so important that we are a spirit-filled church? Well, it's because there's 205,000 people in Elkhart County. And there's what, maybe 300 of us here today. And some of you live outside of Elkhart County. There's a, there's a county, there's a people, there's a state and there's a nation and there's a world that needs the gospel. And you may not go to a foreign field and, and your feet may never touch uh, the continent of Africa or Europe or whatever. But I just wanna tell you, right where you're at, there are people that need Jesus. And they need you desperately to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. They need us to be that spirit-led, spirit-directed. You say, well, Scott, I don't know if I need all this. Well, how about, how about you just, you go after God, go after the Holy Spirit for them, for people who have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Would that not be enough? Would that not be enough? Would you stand with me?